listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Matt Smith and Brandon Stokely in on this Friday afternoon. ZB is off for a nice long weekend. All right, can we look to the past for clues about how Russell Wilson is going to fare here these next few seasons? Bill Barnwell came out with his piece on the four teams that he slates most likely to improve year over year off of last season, and he picked the Broncos for the third year in a row, which, yeah, I mean, it made sense to do it last year. You had Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett, then it absolutely blew up in your face. Now, this year you got Sean Payton, so it makes sense that a Sean Payton-led football team would improve over a five-win team the year before, right, So, Yeah, I mean, you would think there would be uh, some improvement there. I don't know about doubling the win total, but, <laughs> I mean, the bar's low. Like, yeah. five wins. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be that hard to get over five wins. This team should be a uh, better than a 5-12 and 12 football team. Barnwell writes, the real question of Denver's ceiling comes down to what Peyton can do with Wilson, who fell apart a year ago. When I looked into his future in my deep dive, I found that other veteran quarterbacks who took similar dives and then returned to relevancy, including Brett Favre, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, and Steve McNair, were all similar to Wilson. But Wilson is a unique player, and it's also possible that an undersized quarterback who relied so heavily on his legs to extend plays as a passer might not be able to thrive into his mid-30s. But, as Barnwell says, he was a valuable player for the Seahawks in 2021. So it got me thinking. Let's look at these four quarterbacks. Brett Favre, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, and Steve McNair. What did they do around the same time in their career? All right, let's look at Phillip Rivers' age 35 season. Whew. You tell me if this is something Russ is capable of. Almost 4,400 yards and 33 touchdowns. Yeah, I don't see uh, that happening. No. So I, I actually would say that's a pretty poor comparison, Russell, to Phillip Rivers. Where for all of Rivers' you know shortcomings in the in the postseason, regular season-wise, I mean, dude threw for almost 4,000 yards pretty much every season he was a starter. Steve McNair, I don't see. He didn't even play till age 35. I, I, I don't like that comparison. I'm just going to skip him unless you think I'm missing something there. No. Okay. All right, let's look at Brett Favre. I think naturally the first thing you would assume about Favre, though, is he's a much better passer than Russell, right? Right. Yes. So should we just throw that one out? Yeah, because I don't think they're, um, you know. And then Phillip Rivers, they're not very similar quarterbacks, right? Uh, Who else is on the list? Steve McNair, and we'll get to the final one right here, but Favre. Are we, are we are we including that? Do you want to know what he did in his age yeah, 35 year? You can, you can tell me. Yeah, sure. Almost 4,100 yards and 30 touchdowns. That'd be nice. Um, I think Russell's over-under is right between 3,700 and 3,800, yep. something like that. So, you know, I mean, that's not crazy talk, 4,100 yards. Um, I don't see that happening, uh, but uh, that would be really nice if it did happen. How about Eli Manning? Now, this one I think is very interesting, all right? Eli, in his age 35 season, about 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns. The Giants went 11-5. and five. Okay. Um, that would be nice. I, I just, you know, every, every situation's a one-off. And, and when you look at something like a quarterback and looking at the stats, right? I mean, it's not going to tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their defense looked like. I don't know, you know, how many close games did they were they able to to you know to win, and you, you look like the Giants last year. All of them, I mean, they flipped it around, but they won, you know, a lot of close games. They did the little things, and a lot of things went their way. So I, you know, unless you, I think there's more to it than just the stats. Sure, is that kind of how I'm uh, I'm looking at it because I don't know what what it was looking like back then for Eli. Um, but hopefully, hopefully we can see one of these kind of bounce backs from Russ, and, and he can be added to this list. If I offer you four thousand yards and twenty six touchdowns as Eli threw for in his age thirty five season, would you sign up for it right now? Yes, I think you'd be foolish not to. Um, what was Russ's stats last year? I don't have them in 16 front of me. Sixteen touchdowns, yeah. eleven interceptions. Okay, and there you like go. Thirty four hundred yards or something. Right. I don't, I don't even so, know. like, why would you gamble? Um, and not take a uh, 
that type of year from Russ. I mean, that's a to me, that's a no-brainer. I would take it, run with it, and be thrilled if he had that type of year. Right, and that's in 16 games for Eli, right. too, right? The 4,000 sure. and, and the 26 touchdowns. I think if you got 4,000 yards and 26 touchdowns out of Russell Wilson this year, you'd be in great shape, and people would be singing Sean Payton's praises by the end of the season. And we also, and what the other story that that would tell me is that Russ stayed healthy for the majority of the season if he has that type of year, right? right. Uh, which is huge. I, I mean, there's there's got to be concerns about him, you know, staying healthy and available, especially with this offensive line and what it's looked like and the injuries that he had last year, the injuries that he had the year before, right? He's not getting any younger. So it, just being able to stay healthy, durability, I, I think, is a concern with Russ. Out of all four of those comparisons, I like the Eli Manning one the best, personally. I think that's the most comparable, right? It, their careers, at least accomplishments-wise, would look pretty similar if Russell had turned around and handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch instead of passing and, and getting picked off there by Malcolm Butler. They'd both have two Super Bowls. Yeah. So I, I get where he's coming from. I don't necessarily agree with the Favre or the Phillip Rivers necessarily. But where do you, where are you at with Russ? I mean, Well, I think <laughs> we also got to look at it as, you know, like, none of those quarterbacks play the game like Russ. At all. Right? And so he plays it differently, and he played it differently. And can he, you know, like Barnwell said, can he sustain sustain playing the way that he used to play into his mid-30s? That's that's the big question. Or is it just, it's going to be a wrap? You know, which one is it? Can he bounce back? Uh, because, you know, he's not that pocket passer. That's not what he does best. So the other things have to be going his way for him to be a consistently good quarterback, and that could be an issue here, right? I mean, he's not – you know, Eli wasn't running around all over the field. Mm-mm. You know, he's he's a pocket quarterback that's going to win from in the pocket. Russ isn't winning from in the pocket, folks. That's not what he does. That's not his strength. So being in your 30, mid-30s, can you still be a successful quarterback and a productive quarterback – if you're running and your mobility, you know, is is taken away to a certain degree, that would be the question. I guess you know we're fixing to find out, Matt. But mm. I mean, that's that's I mean that's the, that's the big question here is you know what is he, and he obviously he's taking it seriously. He's lost a lot of weight, looks better, fifteen looks, pounds. Right? We found out, yeah. But well, I mean, what do you? That that's why I think for Russ, he's a little bit different than those other guys um, that we that we looked at is because. His game is is not. I mean, we saw it last year, um, and maybe it's better this year from within the pocket with Sean Payton. Maybe his reads and his progressions um, are better because that that just it was it was awful last year. Terrible. I don't I don't know what happened. Footwork was bad. His reads, progressions, and just being comfortable in the pocket, it was all awful. A former NFL head coach reacted to Jerry Judy's injury yesterday and what it might mean for the Broncos, but he says if you're thinking Denver's going to fall off, you might want to think again, and we'll hear from him next. Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. There is a former NFL head coach... That says we might want to calm down on getting too nervous about Jerry Judy's absence. He says the Broncos are well-suited to deal with it. And yesterday on SportsCenter, they were reacting to the news of Jerry Judy getting carted off the field at practice with the Rams. And this is what Herm Edwards had to say. And then this is where Sean Payton will step in and and realize that when you lose players of this stature at the receiving core, you're going to have to run your offense a little bit different. Well, with that being said, though, I I think this offense is going to get dialed back a little bit on throwing the ball as much as they did last year. 500-plus passes. I I look at this offense now at about 460. Why? Because they're going to run the ball some. Look, he went out, Sean Payton, and got two offensive linemen. Yep. Two offensive linemen. He signed offensive linemen. Why? He wants to play action the ball. Mm. He wants to run the football. This is going to be a he's not going to he, he's not going to ask Russell Wilson to win a bunch of games. He wants him to manage the game. That's what he's going to do. Yeah, it's yeah. a tough loss. <clears throat> but they'll be okay. They're going to use the tight ends and the running backs in the passing game. Yeah, I I like that from Herm. I think uh look, it's 
I don't think you have a receiver on your depth chart that's going to just step in for Jerry Judy and fill those shoes. But this is, um, you know, it's it's good hearing them that hearing that from because that's exactly what Zach and I were talking about yesterday, right? This is Sean Payton now. How are you going to dial this thing up? How are you going to scheme uh, your game plans to help this offense now? You know, be successful, right? No one's no one's feeling sorry for you because you lost. You know, uh, your starting wide receiver. And like all of a sudden, like expectations aren't that you know it's going to be an awful offense. Now you still got to go out there and produce. You just got to do it a little bit different, do a little different coaching style, a different game plans, all those different, all of those things to help your offense be successful. And that's what he's got to do. And that's why I was, for these reasons, this is why I wanted a guy like Sean Payton. All right, this is why I like I was screaming like no on Hackett. Like we need an adult, we need a coach with experience. So when stuff like this happens, they're they're able to adapt, mm. and they're able to tweak some things and change some things and and get the most out of the group that they have for week one, week two, and then maybe it's going to be different week three. But there's always different approaches to win football games depending on what personnel you have, and that's the added benefit of having a guy like Sean Payton. I have been very encouraged, and I don't know about you, about what I've seen through the preseason from Sean Payton as far as his offensive philosophy. Stoke, it's been two preseason games, and I legitimately feel like I know more about Sean Payton's offensive identity than I did in 15 weeks for Nathaniel Hackett. Legitimately. And I know they haven't even shown us anything. It's just the most basic of concepts, but the execution is just, I mean, it's night and day. The fact that they have actually demonstrated an ability through the first two preseason games to effectively set up play-action passing. You know they were 31st in the league as far as play-action use rate last year? They barely used any play-action, but it was because they couldn't run the ball effectively. And now you bring in Powers and McGlinchey and you, you retool, you're using more two tight end sets, right? That's where Russell was always at his best in Seattle, was when the pass came off of the run. And early on, at least to me, you tell me if you feel differently or maybe I'm reading too much into the preseason. But, Stoke, I, I can already see the foundation of what they're trying to do. Yes. I think you, you saw it with their, well, like you said, with their play-action pass game, right? And um, you need to establish the run. You need to commit to the run. And then you need to establish it. So, uh, in order for that to work, if, if you're if you're not able to run the football, then you know they don't care if you try to if you if you run it and you play action pass it. Now it's not going to work. They're not the linebackers aren't flying up to make the tackle on the running back. So I, I think there's something to that for sure. I think that's that's got to be the philosophy uh, with this football team. Is you know we're a run first football team, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to run it well, and then we're going to help Russ out. By using that to our advantage and using play-action passes to help us help Russ. Mm. And to piggyback off of something that you said a little bit earlier, you're going to make things simple for Russ. We're going to run the ball effectively. We're going to set up play-action off of the run. And when Russ boots out, puts his eyes downfield, I'm giving him one or two options. And, man, if they're not there, just go. Just go. It's time to be a gamer. I felt like last year they were resisting a little bit of what Russ really is and what made him great because they were nervous about, you know, getting hurt. I Look, maybe he ends up getting hurt. Shoot, Stokey almost got hurt against San Francisco in the second preseason game with a late-ish hit out of bounds. It was like, did Russ get hurt on that? <laughs> it was a little ner- it was a little nerve-wracking. But also, I don't know how else to put this Broncos team in a position to succeed without us- utilizing everything that you have at your disposal. Yeah, and, you know, when you do the play-action play passing and, and, and you – you do. It, it does simplify things. It, it makes it easier rather than just dropping back in the pocket, right, and having to go from your left to your right or from your right to your left and then go through the reads and progressions. It's a little bit different, right? It's a little bit more comforting because you're on the move. You're moving. You're not just dropping straight back. And and so I think that um, only helps a guy like Russ. You know, he doesn't. He's not – he doesn't look comfortable – consistently in the pocket okay mm-hmm. so how are we going to help him by doing things like that getting them on the move getting things moving linebackers moving simplify the reads and the progressions 
right? They, usually in play-action game, you, you know, you're going to have probably three guys out in the pattern at the most. Sometimes you max protect. You only have two guys out. So you, you will. You'll simplify it for him. You'll help him out. And I think that's when he's at his best, and that's when he is most comfortable, when he is moving around and not just dropping straight back or not just in the shotgun taking a snap and just staying stationary there. Um, just moving, moving around a little bit because then you just don't think as much, and it's just easier for a guy like that. This is what he does. This is when he's at his best. I think one of the problems last year is we all expected him to come in here and be Peyton, or at least be of that ilk, be of that caliber, right? That's not who he is. Asking a guy who's about to be age 35, into his age 35 season, to be a whole different type of player, that that was never going to be a recipe for success. You had to utilize some of that. There were, remember how many times last year we kept talking about, gosh, they got to get Russ back on the run, but he looks sluggish. That's right. not the case this year. So that should help to open up the playbook a little bit more. Herm Edwards continued on what else Sean Payton can bring to the Broncos. The hardest thing about dealing with Sean Payton when we would play him, he always seems to get the quarterback in second and four and second and fives. That's a nightmare to a defensive coach. Hmm. You have no call for second and four or second and five. That's a bad down for the defense. Yeah. And Sean Payton always had his offenses getting in that situation would made it very difficult. And Dan knows it. Yeah. When you're the quarterback and you got second and five, you're smiling. That Yeah, I mean, those guys got to I be mean, Sean Payton's not out there doing it. I mean, he, he he's dialing it up. But you got to go out there and execute it still. Sure. Right? And who is he dialing it up with? Drew Brees, pretty good quarterback, right? <laughs> makes, I mean, makes things easier. Quarterback, so yeah, it makes it easier to get to second and four, second and five. So obviously, you're the coach, the guy dialing things up, calling the plays, uh, is a part of that. Uh, but the players are a bigger part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go out there and win. You got to go out there and complete passes. You got to go out there and block guys and open up the hole for you know a five yard run play on first down. So. I, I get it, and that's nice. You know, yeah, Sean Payton was a big part of that, but, you know, Russ is going to have to go out there and execute. This offensive line, Ben Powers, Garrett Bowles, Mike McGlinchey, they're going to have to do a good job of opening up the holes or protecting Russ. Russ is going to have to do a good job of being accurate with the football. You don't have to worry about Drew Brees being accurate with the football, right, going through reads and progression. So it's going to look – it might look a little bit different this year mm-hmm. than maybe it looked with Drew Brees, which is fine uh, because it's all how Sean Payton envisions – Making Russ, comf- making Russ comfortable and getting the most out of him. Yeah, I, I like what Hearn said there because the Broncos against San Francisco demonstrated the ability to get the first first down on the ground against a good rush defense. So if they can continue to display that where you're not constantly going three and out because you're taking Russell off the high dive. Don't you remember that comment from Sean Payton at the beginning of the offseason? That's right. I want to take Russ off the high dive this year. Well, without Judy out there, he's going to be on the high dive more because more responsibility will be on his shoulders while Judy is out of the lineup. But the way you schematically do that is you take the pressure off by making things easier. If I can pick up four to five yards on first down, or may, heck, maybe even I, I, I churn a sixth out of that thing, right? Then I put myself in a better position where now I can open up the play-action game, the boot game, tight end screens become a factor, Troutman and Nate Adkins have had two really nice, really nicely designed and set up tight end screens. We didn't see much of that last no, year. No, didn't see much of the screen game, uh, effective screen game at all. And that's a big part of slowing down the pass rush, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Is your screen game, your your draw game, you know, things like that to slow them down. We we just they were like you said, Matt. It didn't seem like there was a rhyme or reason why we were calling things. And obviously, look. I'll stick up for Hackett for a little bit here. I'll sure, be the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, but, like, when you're not having success offensively and it, it's hard to, you know, call plays. It's hard to call plays, right? And now, did, did they have a good game plan, all that stuff? Yeah, I, I get it. But, like, when you're calling plays and they're not working, it's like it's a, it's a frustrating, frustrating thing. And so, yeah, some of it was on Hackett. Some of it was on Russ. You know, some of it, I mean, there, there's a lot of blame to go around. It's not all on Hackett. And I think the point is, throughout two preseason games, I have seen enough to make me much more comfortable with this operation and also acknowledge that I'm not overreacting to what I've seen in two preseason games. They're just flashes. 
but I'm also willing to recognize that Sean Payton would call a game differently in the regular season. You game plan for an opponent differently. You scheme things up. So I think we've seen, like, what, 15% of what he's going to bring to the table in that regard so far? Is that a fair percentage yeah, to throw on so. it? Yeah, 15, nice. 20% yeah. maybe at the most? All right. Look, as we continue to search for encouraging signs, I think that is one of the best that we can draw from moving forward. Coming up next, normally when he's not here, we tend to skip it, but we're going to do it. Oh. It's trivia time with Matt and Stoke on the other side. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Stokely and Zach. Matt Smith and Brandon Stokely in on a Friday. A lot of people on the text line, Stoke, think they didn't lose much with Jerry Judy. A lot of people said, come on, what do we lose, a bunch of drops? You guys are being ridiculous with Jerry Judy. Why do people feel that way? No, I mean, because um, he drops the ball a lot. You know, I mean, that's the bottom line. He hasn't been consistent. He's been, I think... When you look at a guy like Judy, a very polarizing and a hot topic. It's like Garrett Bowles was. Mm. Well, guess what? These guys are first-round pick, picks. We expect a lot from them. So when they don't live up to that, there is a lot of people that you know just want to just be done with them. Right? And and so I get what, what they're saying, but at the same time, this guy is your, is your best playmaker offensively. Just who he is. Now, will the and, and and we were hoping that this year would be the step would be the year that he takes that big big step forward and finally gets over a thousand yards. And now he's hurt, and you know reports are that first practice, you know, before he got hurt against the Rams, there was a lot of drops there. So just the inconsistent nature of Jerry Judy, I think, drives people crazy. Okay, so some understandable frustration is what you're saying. Yeah, okay. yeah. Go out there and do it, you know? If you don't want people to feel that way and you want them to feel like, hey, this is a big loss, well, then you got to go out there and produce consistently. And we just haven't seen that from him. As has become a staple for you guys on Fridays, your co- your cohort, your co-host, mm-hmm. Mr. Bai, comes up with amazing trivia questions for you. Normally, I leave that to him, but today I decided to indulge myself. Now we've got a whole cast of crew behind the scenes here who have all contributed to this process and everybody's got a question we're going to get through so dante oh wait wait, stop it stop it stop it i almost got there so dante hit the music just had to honor Zach. Just a little bit. Just relax. Just relax. Dante got a little, a little sensitive, sensitive. He does. Oh, he, did, he did. He did. That's all right. Yeah, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. Don't deny it. I saw a little bit of that. Don't be. Hey, you can be sensitive with Dan Jacobs. Don't bring that sensitivity <laughs> over here. All right? We don't, we don't roll that way. <laughs> we don't roll that way. It is week zero <laughs> in college football. Still, college football is back tomorrow. I can't wait. <laughs> so we start in the world of college football. The Heisman Trophy, handed out to the most outstanding player of a single season, has only been awarded to two freshmen in its entire history. In fact, until 2012, the highest a freshman has ever finished in the voting was Adrian Peterson, who finished second in 2004. Both freshmen who ended up winning the award were first-round NFL draft picks, but neither of them currently start for an NFL team? I think it's a good one. Um, and, you know, uh, we just had a documentary, I think, about one of them, right? And I think the, uh, the the first one that comes to mind is Johnny Manziel. That would be one of my answers right there would be Johnny Manziel. Okay. Is that on the list? Do you want to finish first, or do you no, want no, me to I'm, reveal that? No, no, no. Just tell me if that one's right or not. You got one of two. Okay. And so, give me the question one more time, because I, I want to, you know, think about. Because I had another name that popped in to my head, but I don't know if he qualifies for um, the question. So, the Heisman Trophy has only ever been handed out to two freshmen. Both of the freshmen ended up as first-round NFL draft picks but neither currently start for a NFL team. 
Johnny Manziel is one. Who is the other? What did you say about, you said something about 2012. Did you say? In fact, until 2012, the highest a freshman had ever finished in the voting was Adrian Peterson in 2004. Okay. Um, So, wait, does this mean that this guy got voted... Got won the Heisman Trophy after 2012. What do you guys think? Is that what you're saying there, or, or not? I mean, my other answer, the, the guy, I know the, the answer, the guy that I was um, thinking about was Tim Tebow. Mm. But he's before, obviously, you know, he came in the league. What that was my third year with the Broncos. He came in the league in '09. Uh, but I, I thought that. Um, he might be the guy that won it. I'm just trying to think. I'm not like a, um, a Heisman historian. So I'm just going with Tim Tebow. Whatever. Tim Tebow is my other answer. I don't want to spend five minutes on this. That, that, those were my two. Manziel, Tebow. Um, okay. Now it's time for you to. Richie, Drew. What Dante knows. Dante knows. So hold on. Do you, got, do you guys have the, a guess? Yeah, we all know the answer. You all know the answer? We all know the answer. All right, Dante. Was um well you said J- Johnny right? Yep. Uh, James Winston. I oh, was wow. actually wrong though. I thought it was a third. I thought Lamar was a freshman as well. So I was okay. criticizing your question, but I was wrong. <laughs> Look at you. He's just sensitive, Dante. <laughs> sensitive, Dante. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't realize James. Oh, that's good. All right. Only two freshmen have ever won the Heisman Trophy, and it started in 2012 with Manziel, and then the next year with James Winston. Wow. And before that, Adrian Peterson had been the highest finishing freshman in the voting. Second in 2004. Okay. That's a good one. All right, Dante. Dante, oh, since, since you were critical, let's see Let's see how your question is, Hotshot. Yeah. Uh, mine's also in the Heisman vein with college football getting going here. All, All right. right. So it's since 2007, only one Heisman winner has been drafted outside of the first round of the NFL. Mm. Who was it? Wow. Since 2007. Yep. Hmm. Oh. Got to be... Man. I mean, I want to say, like, you know. All right, Mark Ingram. Josh Heupel. Mark, you know? Mark Ingram won in 09. So that, t- I, I, he was but the first round pick. 07. Right. What? 09. After 07. You're talking about before 07? No, I'm talking or about after? me. After, after. Yeah, you said after. after yeah, I said Josh Heupel. Oh, yeah. And I said that. Yeah, way before 07. Yeah. yeah, well, nobody was taking Josh Heupel seriously, so come on. Try, need some help here. I can give you conference if you want to hint. Oh, you, we're, we're, we're are we thinking it's a lifeline? Are we thinking? No, not yet. Are we thinking okay. it's a quarterback? I mean, because quarterback or running Heisman, back, probably right. quarterback or running back. I mean, would be the two. Did 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 somebody did, get hurt? Did Derrick Henry win the Heisman? Yeah, for sure. But he, he was definitely a first round draft. Was he? I thought he well, fell maybe to he was the second. second. Ooh, that might be it, though. I thought he fell to the second. That might be it. That would be my best guess too. Now that you mentioned, do you it. have any other? Th- I mean, that, I don't know. I just let's like go. The, okay, let's, let's go. go. Derrick right. Henry. All right, ding, ding, ding. Atta boy. Atta boy. Atta boy. Bam. Booyah. Let's go. Drew, are you ready? I'm ready. We'll stick with college football. Just real quick, though, on Derrick Henry. Like, I saw a highlight on him, you know, at Alabama the other day. They're showing all these highlights of just different guys or whatever. And and you look at him run, okay, and you look how big he was, and you look at him just running away from guys. How was he not a first-round draft pick? I have no idea. It's just impressive. Like, oh, my goodness. All right, go ahead. All right, guys. We'll stick in college football, but not a Heisman Trophy question. So we will go with, in the college football playoff era, how many Pac-12 teams have participated in the college football playoff? Wow. Well, Oregon is one. That I know for sure. USC ever make it? That would be the only other one. Oh, no, Washington. Washington made it that year. They beat USC. They beat CU in 2016. So, two. Did USC make it? I mean, has USC not been in the college football playoffs? I don't think so. Ever? I don't think so. I'm going to go with my final answer. I'll go final answer here because we're up against it here. I'll I'll go. No, we're all right. We're all right? Yeah. Well, Stokes says all right. Yeah. Well, my my final answer would be two. Two? Yeah. Oregon Washington. and Washington. Okay. Yeah, th- those are those are two good ones. Um, has Utah ever snuck in there? Did Utah sneak in there one so. year? No? No. Okay. 
Um, just trying to think of the schools that could have made it from it'd be, the Pac-12. It'd be those four. It'd be Oregon, Washington, USC, and Utah. But I don't believe Utah ever made it. And I don't think USC has been good enough and since UCLA, the playoffs. No. no when no, did no. the playoffs start, Drew? Do we know when like that 20, started? 2014-2015 season. Yeah, oh, so that's definitely, USC's definitely, definitely never been in Okay, there. so you're going two? I'm going I like two. that. I'm going All right, two. we'll go with those two. What do we got, Drew? You guys are correct. Bam. Good job, man. Oregon in 2014 yeah. and Washington in 2016. Richie still has a question, and I have a few more, so let's hit it on the other side. Yeah, we'll, we'll carry this All over. Right. More trivia with Matt and Stoke next. Listening to Stokely and Zach on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. Matt Smith and Brandon Stokely in on a Friday. ZB is off on a long weekend. Apparently, Brock Heward didn't like my line of questioning. Is that what you're telling me? You shove it, Brock. I didn't say that. <laughs> Well, Brock just had to clarify for us that neither were true freshmen. They were red shirt freshmen, and they, um, yeah, they're like um, NBA players that are in their second year that that win the rookie of the year. It's like, which I get in in football because you red shirt a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And and so uh, you're still considered a freshman. You, You don't get to red shirt. In, yeah. in professional sports. Yeah. Get out of here with your technicalities, Brock Heward. I like it, Brock. Good <sighs> job. Keep them coming. Keep Matt in check. All right, Richie, you're he up, down on, He was definitely down on your question. Yeah, it's all right. I liked it, though. No good. What do you got, Richie? All of us liked it. So, like I said, Brock, voice your displeasure elsewhere. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to stick with college football. That feels like the theme okay. of what we've been doing. Sure. So, uh, what two college football players in the BCS era are the only two to ever finish second in the Heisman voting twice. Ooh. There are two players in the BCS era who finished second in the in the Heisman Trophy voting two times each. Wow. Um, uh, this is difficult. This one's tough. Yeah. This is my... This All right. All right. BCS era. That's what? When did that start? Technically. When did it start? It ended in 2014 because right, that's when the college football oh, playoffs okay. started. So. But I just need to know what, what time frame we're working with here. It started in like, oh, like end of the 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Like 98 to 02, somewhere that's okay. when it started. Well, AP finished second one time. And that was his fre- and, and that was as a freshman. And then he won it. And then he won it, right? So, no, he couldn't have been that guy. Yeah, this is kind of out of my... Um, God, this is tough. Yeah. I mean, who who was good enough to finish second? And you'd have to be good enough as an underclassman. Well, maybe not. Not necessarily. You could have done a junior, senior year, too. Do you, do you want me to... Give me a little hint. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me a little we'll hint use, on we'll this some one. lifelines here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, one of the players finished second in back-to-back years in 2010 and 2011. Okay. 10 and 11. What... <laughs> that was a long time ago. Goodness, I was still playing NFL then. Oh, man. Wow. Um, if you know who won the Heisman <laughs> Trophies that year? <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Keep it coming, Richie. Uh-huh. So in 2010, the Heisman Trophy winner was Auburn quarterback Cam Newton. Damn. Mm. In 2011, it was Baylor quarterback Robert Griffin III. The wow. same player finished runner-up to those two people in back-to-back years. Wow. He plays quarterback. I'll give you another hint. RG3 plays second to him in the NFL draft. Second to him in the NFL draft. What year is this? Is this Andrew Luck? 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 Yeah. Correct. That's one of the plays. Nice. Okay. All right. well, we got one. So right. at least we're completely. But, I mean, they well, just handed it yeah, to us. They said he was drafted in front it's of. Okay. It's okay. Right. We still get one. I, I'm still counting it. Yeah. Yeah, sure. it's like a preseason win. Yeah, yeah I, I think we might just need to move on. Yeah, let's, let's move. move on. Should we move on? The other right. one was Darren McFadden. Okay. Oh, that was good. Arkansas. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of Arkansas. Take Suey. Yeah, I got a good Arkansas question here coming up. I got two more. We're Arkansas question. Oh, yeah. You, oh, wow. you wait here. Oh, goodness. Okay. This, this is not that one, though. Okay, good. Let's, let's take a break in between Arkansas questions. Only three quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown for seven touchdowns in a single game since 1969. I'll say that again. 
Only three quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown for seven touchdowns in a single game since 1969. All three instances have occurred in the last 20 years. Two of those quarterbacks are Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. The last was a Pac-12 quarterback who, over the course of his NFL career, played for seven different teams. Despite having a Super Bowl MVP on his resume, he only made one Pro Bowl. Who was that quarterback? Holy cow. Wow. Man, I mean, I, I've, I've had four different quarterbacks. I'm like, it's going to be this guy. It's going to be like, nope, that does, he doesn't qualify. This, nope, doesn't qualify. Wow. Should uh, I read it again for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, you need to read it again. Um, thank you. Only three quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown for seven touchdowns in a single game since 1969. All three instances have occurred in the last 20 years. Two of them are Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. The last was a Pac-12 quarterback who, over the course of his NFL career, played for seven different teams. Despite having a Super Bowl MVP on his resume, he only made one Pro Bowl. Who was the third quarterback to throw for seven touchdowns in a single game since 1969? Wow. I mean, so it must be a quarterback maybe like, um, you know, feels like in the 70s or 80s type of uh, quarterback here. But he played the Pac-12, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of like any Pac-12 quarterbacks that have done it recently. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's Jared Goff. No, he doesn't fit that criteria of playing for, you know, that many teams. Uh, Because I was thinking of maybe it was Mahomes, that shootout that they had with the Rams a couple years ago. Um, with golf, when golf was there, uh, remember that game it was like fifty-four, fifty-one type I sure of football do. game. Um, okay, so man, and uh, how y'all doing behind the glass? Um, one more time. Are they awake back there? Yeah, one more time. How uh, did we got it. Oh, y'all think y'all got it? Yeah, okay, I think, we, yeah, I think got we got it for Stokely. Yes, for Stokely. Yes. Only three quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown for seven touchdowns in a single game since nineteen sixty-nine. All three instances have occurred in the last twenty years. Two of them are Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. 20 years. The last was a Pac-12 quarterback who played for seven different teams over the course of his NFL career. Despite having a Super Bowl MVP on his resume, he only made one Pro Bowl. So you you just said it happened. They've all happened in the last twenty years. That's right. I said okay. that. Okay. All right. So I don't know where I thought I heard you say since nineteen sixty nine. So okay. So the last twenty years. So we're thinking of since two thousand and three. Yeah. Okay. Since two thousand three. Interesting. I'm trying to think of Pac twelve winning quarterbacks. I don't know. I'm taking up too much time. Mac. Wait. Come on. This is easy. Okay, well then, just tell me the answer then. Nick Foles. Mm. Oh, there you go. Good one. <laughs> was it Nick Foles when he played for? Was it um, uh, Chip Kelly? The Eagles. Yeah, he beat Tom Brady. I didn't oh, know. Philly, Philly. I don't remember that game, but he's the only that's Pac-12. A good, that's, that's a really good one. Kind of under the radar mm-hmm. guy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good one. How did Nick Foles have a seven touchdown game in the NFL? That's that nuts. season he led the NFL in passer rating in 2013. That's amazing. Um, I mean, yeah. it's Pac-12. You could just, I mean, how many Pac-12 quarterbacks are even in the NFL? Did you all behind there? Did you all, you all have that yeah, one yeah, right yeah, away? Yeah. They all had it. Yeah, good for you. Sure y'all. they did, yeah, Stoke. Cool. I don't believe good them for, for a second. <laughs> they did. They did. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But they get to talk it out back they there do. and discuss it and not be like live on radio. And That's so, true. Well, you got any more? Yeah, I do. What I are you shaking your head for, Richie? I do. I have. You and Matt talk out every single one. <laughs> I had no one to talk it out with, Richie, because he asked the question. There are life. There are life. We should have come you. in and talked with you. Yes, thank you. I'd like. You, I need help. Mm-hmm. There was no talking about it. I just said the answer, and we're like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> you know, what's up, Dante. <laughs> Dante, of course Dante would get it. Dante's been snarky all trivia. He really has. All trivia long. He tries to just stun on me and spike it on top of my head. You know what the problem would be with me with phone a friend? You don't have friends. Yeah, Yeah. that's a bummer. All right, I've got one more, but this is a fun one. All right, in the world of college football. (laughs) Of the following, and it's a multiple choice, so a little bit easier. B. Of the following three Power 5 schools with a live mascot... Which is the only one to have cooked it up and served it to their football team at a team banquet? Holy cow. 
KKFN, KKFN HD1 along my Denver. Take it. Uh, how about Take it. We, Take it. Does that qualify? That, that qualifies. Yeah, that is. You get it right, Can we actually. question again? Of the following <laughs> three Power 5 schools with a live mascot, which one cooked and served their mascot to their football team at a team banquet? LSU. Uh, a. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got. I, a. Let me. Let me. I, I want to take a guess. Okay. Without Georgia. even. Without, uh, <laughs> stop it. I'm not serving Ugga. We're loving Ugga. Love the Bulldog. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to take a guess. Uh, without. I don't want. I don't want to. Um, you don't want any, multiple choice. No. And then if it's not right, then give the multiple choice. I'm going to say. My guess, without hearing any any of the candidates there, um, <laughs> would be Texas. Oh, Vivo? Yes. We're eating steaks. Beef. I mean, that yes, makes sense, right? I guess. We're eating steaks. We're eating Vivo, though. Or, or, or. The well, other I mean, one. Come on one. now. If you're going to eat steaks. The, <laughs> other one, the other one could be uh, Florida. Oh, Fried okay. up some gator. That Yeah, but they don't have a live gator, do they? I don't know. It's Florida. Think, you think there's Wally the gator that just uh, is out there? Wally the gator. <laughs> What are the choices? Yeah. Choice A, Arkansas. <laughs> Razorbacks. Oh, yes. The pigs. Tusk is technically a Russian boar, by the way. Okay. Okay. I guess that uh, one makes sense. Yeah, that's a good one. B, Navy. Bill the goat. They're on their 36th goat. So I assume that a couple of them along the way. Oh, nobody's no, eating goat. No, we're not eating goat. No. no, that's all. Navy's been around for a while. Yeah, I know. No. But who else? Yeah. And C was Texas. Okay, oh, I'm, well, I'm sticking stick with Texas. I'm sticking with Texas. Um, I'll go with I'll go with uh, uh, Arkansas. Yeah, because yeah. like a boar, like right. how are you yeah. gonna have any sentimental attachment to bacon? a boar? Right. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. Behind the glass, what is y'all's answer? I'm actually gonna go with Arkansas. Dante, I smart said, guy. I, yeah. I said What'd Texas you say? initially, so I'm gonna stick with Texas, but. Arkansas seems like more the state that would do it. Yeah, but like you can't eat Bevo. That'd be like eating like uh, yeah up at CU. That'd be no, like eating Ralphie. No, well, yeah. what's the difference between a steak and bison? It's yeah. same same stuff. I mean, maybe even arguably better with the bison. I mean, Air Force ate, ate Ralphie last Good. year. Good luck. Wow! Ca- there you go. There you go. There like, they were stoked. they were eating them for uh, lunch for the rest of the year. Yeah, that era is over, my friend. Bison burgers for the rest of the year. Coach Reese, would you like to chime in? Would you like to wager a guess here? Nope. 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 Uh, okay, <laughs> just wait. All right. That's fun. <laughs> you don't want to no. partake in our no, stupid, stupid, dumb trivia. Trivia do day. What do you got, Matt? What is the answer? In 1920. 1920? Oh, it's got to be Bevo. It's got to be Bevo. The University of Texas. Hey, could not afford the upkeep on the steer. <laughs> oh, God. So they cooked and served no. them to the oh. football team at a banquet. Oh, well, you didn't say I 1920. Didn't, no. You didn't say 1920. That That's good, Stoke. That's Thank you. Good. Why would I need to say right. 1920? Well, because yes. things were just different back in the... Uh, so, why would I need to say 1920? Well, we wouldn't figure... That was a hey, damn hey, good hey. trivia question. That, was, a, no, that no. was a awesome that was trivia question. I don't argue that. That was really good. Yeah. Can good we make job, a rule Stoke. no pre-depression... <laughs> no free depression trivia. Do we, do we have to start after a certain yeah, era? Yeah, yeah. Era. Be a baseline. What is the raging, weird stuff? What is the raging Cajun uh, mascot? Um, crawfish. Oh, stop. Crawfish. The crawfish. I just raging Cajun. No, stuff. like a raging Cajun man, like a hot pepper, and we, they've changed them over the years. I think so. still got a football team though, right? Yeah, what is they it? do. Thank they God. still have. A, they still know. have a football team. Yep. They, yeah. No, they've been they've been very successful um, over the last decade. Did you see, uh, um, did you hear the audio of, um, from, on, uh, how was it, Barstool? Those guys talking about you. They had Chef yeah. on. I oh, heard yeah. That. I saw that last night. Um, that was funny. I do, um, I'm not saying I partaked in well, that. Well, that's what he's um, saying. But I, I'm, i But he's I'm, not saying it. Right. But I'm not saying that. But, um, that, that is an accurate story, though. So the reports that were after a fun story. night, Orton lived down t- in, in Cherry Creek, halfway home, according to Scheffler. There was some knocking on the uh, door of uh, of Orton. What? No, what do you mean? What that you was mean? a story. Halfway home. What do you mean halfway uh, home? Halfway to your homes. Yes. Like, not yes. like not the halfway, halfway home. I know, but you got to yes. clarify what you're Sorry, saying. Not a yes, halfway home. Yes, right. So he's like right around there. Yes. And now that's you're coming a, from Lyme, 
you know, right. down in, uh, you know, Working your way back up to Lone Tree or wherever. Right. It's a weird, circuitous, almost And rude. he mentioned Orton was a red wine guy, and yeah, like, they would go home, and then they would, you know, so make would, sure Kyle was awake. Would yeah. smack on Kyle's windows? Uh, yes, I've heard, I've heard that. You've heard uh, that, have I have, you? I have. I can confirm that did happen. I don't know all the Word of mouth, huh? that were involved in that, but I, yes, uh, that's funny. brings back some brings back some good memories of those guys. Like, yeah. you know, I'm 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 aging at that point. What you know, that's oh well with Arden there. That was right. um, oh eight, I guess oh, oh nine. And so that line. was you know that was uh, I mean I was an elder guy then. But yeah, you had yeah. Scheffler, you had Brandon Marshall, uh, Eddie Royal, right? I mean, like you had a lot of good young guys and fun young guys on the, on that football team. Yeah, so. his last stage. Yeah, so Last it was there it sharing. was um, it was it was some fun times here. Stories you can share? No, nothing bad, but not that I want to share. You know, so good. You guys yeah. love TiVo. Have you seen Swamp Kings? Have you watched that yet? I haven't. No, I haven't. Haven't gotten into that yet. Oh man, TiVo. That guy really tried. He was a try-hard guy. Yes, he was. You first first in line, and, and he he would make some guys upset. Because when we did those gas, like you see the gassers at the end of the practice, I'll right? Like for the Broncos, you yeah. know, Sean Payton's got them doing it. Yeah. Um, and like when we had to do it with McDaniel's, you know, Tebow was always the first one, yeah, right? Does. And so he, he did. Like some of the veteran guys are like, "You're trying to show us up," like, and it it did um, make some people upset. I didn't care. I'm like, this guy, good for it. go, go for it. Man. So like, would uh, my memory is you and Orton would kind of run them together and just sort of. Uh, have a chuckle, perhaps at uh, Timmy. Maybe, maybe Timmy, so. Timmy's maybe effort. so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we might have. Might have that, Kyle, it, it, it made Kyle a lot more upset than I did. So it's just like here's a little partner. We got. We'll, we'll I'll partner up with you, Kyle, because we all know this is ridiculous. Yeah. It you was. Know, there's uh, Captain America. Good, good for you. You can't. Yeah. It. Still yeah. can't throw. Hey, while you're in here, can I change the tone of the conversation just a little sure, bit? Sure. Let's get much more serious. Okay. What'd you think about Val's latest Instagram post? And of oh, course, if you missed it, oh Val Nachushkin on Instagram posing with an AK-47, D-Mac. Well, what what do you guys think, Brooke Stoke? You just real quick on that. Have you guys already talked about that? Yeah, we t- we got into it real real quick. What, what, what what's your take on that, Stoke? Oh, I'll give you mine, but I I, I thought it was um, just lack of awareness, right? I mean, your situation a few months ago where you're in the most important time of your season. And you just disappeared, right? I mean, you had an incident in your room, and next thing you know, you were gone, right in the middle of the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? You're trying to repeat here. And so, obviously, that wasn't a good situation. Don't know exactly what happened in that hotel room, but it wasn't good, right? right. Yeah, we've seen body cam footage and of the police talking to the team doctors, talking to you could hear that female that was in the room, um, in an ambulance and, and the things that she was saying and some accusations she was making. It's just not good. Awful. Awful, right? And so, like, just stay out of the news. So, like, just try to be on your best behavior. He goes, last time we saw him, he's some Instagram or whatever pictures from, from Russia. Mm-hmm. And then now, just unnecessary, like, just uncalled for. Just bringing more um, bad attention to yourself and to the organization when, like, just lay low. Lay low and uh, I think would be the best way to operate. You know, given what happened, like in the middle of the playoffs, the guy is gone. They just whisked him away, and he is gone. Right. And then now you have more of this. And to think that his off the field stuff doesn't affect his on the ice stuff yeah. is just crazy. Uh, because you can look at his history and and how it went down in Dallas, and how he went from a first round pick to out of the league, and then it seemed like he got his stuff back on track. And now I don't know where he's at. I don't know if you can count on him, if you can rely on him, if you're the halves. Do you think this makes it any worse? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. I just don't know as far as a teammate how you look at that and go, oh, that's just Val being Val, and just write it off. Well, it's not up to the teammates. It's about um, Chris McFarland and Joe. and uh, I think that's another layer to it, Organization. D-Mac. You but, know, Bednar and what the, the, the – then then you're, all right, do we want to win games or not? I mean, are we, we want to win? Yes? No? I mean, he's a great player. You know, you got to – Restock the pond a little bit, and, um, you know, he's one of your core dudes. He's a top-six player for a, a team that hopes to win another Stanley Cup. I don't know what the laws are in Russia. I don't know what guns. It's not even about that. It's not about the laws, right? It's about where your head's at and what your priorities are. Instead of... It's a bad look. Trying to earn some goodwill back, 
this is not the look you want. What was the purpose of that? To look cool? That yeah. shouldn't be what well, you're focusing on right now. Here's what I found out about Val, which was really interesting. Most of these hockey guys are boring. They're really boring. They're kind of homebodies. They really don't go out all that much. They're they're kind of boring. But Val's life is way different. He's married to or girlfriend or you know it's always kind He's, of. I'm pretty sure they're married. So, okay, yeah. so uh, his partner is like a high fashion Russian woman. Like she owns like high fashion stores. Three of them that he probably has a piece of. I would guess. Yeah. She is friends with all sorts of models and fashion shoots. So as boring as we may be, you know, in the world of Gabriel Landeskog just having a, you know, a house in the burbs and a couple of cute little, you know, blonde-headed uh, Swedish kids. Right, right. Right? Val lives a life as if it's New York City. Like, it's high fashion, um, that sort of world. So of all the guys on the team, the one that lives kind of the fastest lane lifestyle is Val Nachushkin because that's what his life is like in Russia. I think my biggest concern. I'm is, not trying to make an excuse for him. I'm just saying that oh no. that's that's just a, a wild difference between him and the rest of the guys. I give him grace, a little bit of grace, just a tiny bit for being from a different culture. However, where's your head at, man? Vets report in less than a month, Kyle. Like this is a huge year for him. He was already going to have to earn back a lot of that trust on the ice with his actions. I'm not, look, I hope I'm overreacting to a social media post. And again, for anybody out there misconstruing my words, it has absolutely nothing to do with gun ownership. I'm all for responsible gun ownership. This is the image you're portraying as if the values you hold important. Coming off of the situation you just came off of, squarely in the middle of a championship window, I'm looking for reasons not to question your head, your head space right now, right? And I feel like this leaves me with more questions than I have answers. Uh, he is having a little trouble reading the room, right, mm-hmm. understanding his place in it. I would probably give a little bit more credence to the cultural aspect of it, right? What part of the world was he in? Obviously, is this a part of his lifestyle? Does he have a full understanding of what goes on in American culture and how that might be viewed? Um, th- there might be a little bit to peel back on that. Mm-hmm. So I, I can have probably a little bit more grace than you do. Right. And this isn't hunting, right? This isn't he's out there. This is him posing in front of a car where it looks like he's had a night out. He's got the shirt popped open, showing the Stanley Cup ring. And he's just got an AK in his hand. It's, 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 full, a, play it's, boy, it's, it's full playboy status. But, yeah. but it's, again, the profile of him, his family, where he's from. Does he have a full understanding of what that the optics of that are? That's a bad look. It is. It just makes me sad because this is a guy who worked so hard to get the opportunity to earn a contract. He came through in such a big way for them. Wins a cup, was such a crucial member of that team, gets an eight-year, $6 million per deal, finally has security, and I just don't know what's going on. And like I said, I hope genuinely that I'm overreacting to this. He hits the ice ready to go. But as far as on-the-ice stuff goes, guys, he missed 29 games last year when they were on life support with AHL players. Like, is this is this you demonstrating to me that you're committed and bought in? DMAC, you and I had the conversation last week about Russell Wilson being bought in. You tell me if this demonstrates Val being bought I just can't go there. And, I, and now I, I will have more questions than answers entering the season, which I was really hoping we wouldn't have to be in that position. Fine, good stuff. We'll get into it. We've got uh, Coach Reese here, which is awesome. Yes. Boy, did I see a heck of a documentary for you. My man. Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell, tell you. me about it. Oh, I'll tell you about uh, BSI. Just of, yeah, man, that was something else. That was a trip. I'm glad that we can uh, have a chance to chop it up. Stick around. We'll get to, uh, we got a little day off here. No, Bronx, right? We got a little reset here. So we can look at things in total as the Broncos get ready for the, the game against the Rams. And thrilled to be with you this Friday afternoon, the drive on the fan.